Welcome to episode 31 of Poppin' Down with my special guest, Lisa Anita Wagner. I'm your host, Shauna Quinn. Poppin' Down is a podcast about mental health and pop culture. Every episode, I spend some time with somebody who's dealt with mental illness, mental health issues, addiction, and or trauma. And we talk about their experiences, their lives, and pop culture from our points of view. Please remember, I am not a professional mental health person. Um, I'm a woman who lives for pop culture while living with mental illness. Not a doctor, nothing like that. Just plain old me living with bipolar and yeah. I was on vacation last week uh, in South Carolina and um, it was the most amazing time. Um, my husband and I always have an amazing time down there and this time it was super special because uh, we brought some friends with us, uh, another couple that we're really close to. And yeah, it was our first kind of like couples vacation. I mean, we'd been to, uh, uh, we'd been, we'd been out West with them, uh, to like, uh, Calgary Banff kind of area before, but, uh, it was like for a wedding. So it wasn't, uh, too much time, just the four of us, but, um, yeah, it, it was a good week. Um, yeah, now I'm just kind of playing catch up. I was, I don't know why or how, but. I missed my alarm this morning and I was late to work and, you know, there were no real repercussions or anything, but like, I still feel really bad about it. I don't know. I'm just a bundle of nerves right now. And it could be a combination of a lot of factors, be it being home from vacation, be it, I, 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 I have no idea, but I've, I've talked about the post-vacation blues before and, uh, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say I have the blues or anything. Like, I feel good, but today I'm just fucking tired. And that's okay. I'm allowed to be tired. So yeah, um, let's talk about good stuff. I had a beautiful week at the beach. Um, yeah, I uh, got some awesome shells. I had to leave a lot of awesome shells behind because... Uh, my husband found some for us, like some these beautiful whole conch shell shells, but <laughs> there were critters inside of them. So, of course, we brought them back to the beach so that the critters could keep on living and doing their things. So, but yeah, it, it was pretty cool. I didn't get to find any shark teeth. That was one of my goals was to uh, find some shark teeth. I was like, this time when I am in the area. I'm either going to find some shark teeth or I'm going to, you know, make eye contact with someone from Southern Charm. That's my favorite reality show. And I ended up meeting two of the Southern Charm folks. Yeah. Um, I just was kind of on Instagram and uh, and I saw that Craig from Southern Charm was uh, going to be opening a new restaurant bar thing. So, yeah, I hopped on down. He was there and um, Austin from Southern Charm was there as well. Um I introduced myself, Austin introduced me to Craig, um, sipped on a Diet Coke, which I got for free from the cute bartender, shout out bartender, and uh, yeah, it, it was pretty funny and surreal, and people are like, wow, you did that, you made that happen, and people are like, I'm so proud of you, you just like went off, because like no one else wanted to go, Derek, like my husband didn't want to go, our friends didn't want to go, it was like after dinner, and I was like, well, I'm going to go, so I don't know, just like adventures like that I like to do. It's like, yeah, maybe I'm cheesy for 
wanting to hang out with these reality TV people, but at the same time, it's like, I'd rather do it and regret it than not do it and regret it. So, yeah, like, I'm a bit, it's part of who I am, is like, you know, if there's an opportunity for some sort of, like, pop culture thing to happen in my trip, I'll make it happen. And that's that. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the next day we walked by Shep. Um, anyway, that's how we found out that Shep and my husband share a birthday. Um, yeah, it was funny because it was I guess it was the day before his birthday. But we didn't know it was his birthday till the next day. And... Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty cool birthday to have, uh, September 27th. It's the same birthday as Meatloaf and Gwyneth Paltrow and uh, Avril Lavigne and Lil Wayne. But yeah, just add Shep Rose to that list, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, we always love it going down there to the Charleston area. Um, delicious food. Um wonderful times at the beach great people um everybody down there is so friendly and man the people in charleston that are like you know between the ages of like i don't know like 20 and maybe 45 everyone's just so good looking it's it's wild how good looking people are down there and they're friendly from all walks of life and they've got those hot sexy accents i don't know what it is with me with that drawl but it really gets me like some people like british accents or australian or south african and it's like you know all accents are beautiful in their own way some people even like a canadian accent like this one guy down there was like oh i like your accent it's nice it's nice <laughs> but <laughs> i don't know man that drawl just sends me away i guess <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm not too caught up on pop culture lately, to tell you the truth. Like, I watched the newest episode of This Is Us. Um, that's really about it. Um, I want to start the new season of Survivor. Um, none of the new shows look too appealing to me. Um, but as far as the Emmys go, I was really, 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 how, how much can I say really? Happy to see Fleabag win so many. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is an icon. She is a genius. She was incredible. And just that representation of like this, not an, like this representation that Fleabag has of like this atypical woman who's not really, you know, she's not like a, a I guess you, you could call her a misfit because, like, I wouldn't say that she's an anti-hero because everybody loves to throw that word around, right? But, like, she's very atypical. She's very brash. She's very um, clumsy and awkward and sexy at the same time. And it's just such a one-of-a-kind show. And the cast is lightning in a bottle. Um just the dynamics between Fleabag and her family and and her love life and sex life and all that. It's I can't recommend that show enough. And it, it's wild how many Emmys they got. And I'm so happy for them. So definitely check out Fleabag uh, streaming on Amazon. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge will be on Saturday Night Live. Uh, looking forward to watching that this Saturday night. Um, Taylor Swift will be the musical guest. So that should be interesting as well. 
yeah, but um, as far as TV goes right now, um, honestly, I'm watching old seasons of Real Housewives of New York City, and I started watching Below Deck. Like, I'm not keeping up with anything too current right now, like, as uh, other than, like, yeah, what I mentioned before, This Is Us, the newest uh, season. I really want to watch Succession. Um, I think that's next on my to-watch list. Um, oh, on Netflix, I did just start Unbelievable, which is unbelievably good. Uh, pardon the pun. Um, it's basically a show um, and trigger warning for sexual assault, but uh, Tony Collette and Merritt Weaver, both iconic queens, <laughs> play these police detectives who end up uh, investigating uh, sexual assault cases that may be related. Uh, I haven't finished the series yet. It's a limited series on Netflix. It's just incredible. I. It, it, that's what I said I was saying to my husband last night I'm like this is my true true detective like eat your heart out Woody and Matthew McConaughey like these two ladies they're my true detectives so yeah definitely check that show out um yeah today's special guest on Pop and Dan is Lisa Anita Wagner Lisa Anita Wagner is going to be presenting her performance art piece, Intangible Adorations, at the Rendezvous with Madness Festival. She has dates between October 12th and October 19th as part of this festival that celebrates and puts a spotlight on mental health. Please welcome Lisa Anita Wagner to the pod. Today, I'd like to welcome my special guest to Poppin' Down, Lisa Anita Wagner. Hello. Hi, Lisa. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? I consider myself a storyteller. Um, I work uh, a lot as a performer, as an actress, performance artist. Uh, I make a lot of films, and I do large-scale art installations. Um, and recently I also started, uh, teaching my own, uh, performance art salon. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I didn't ever think I'd be teaching, but this particular way that I do it with Workman Arts, where we've created a workshop and I essentially let artists come and play with me in my own practice. Oh. And it's been really exciting. That's pretty cool. Can you tell us a little bit more about Workman Arts? Absolutely. Uh, I've been a member artist there, I think around two years now. And, uh, I first uh, got into, uh, my colleague Paula John invited me as a guest speaker because she was actually teaching at Workman Arts. Um, so I went in and did some guest speaking and then after that applied as a member artist. And uh, yeah, they're just a really terrific uh, practical studio. You can go shoot there, you can work there. They have equipment. Um, it's like a, a community. I started right away teaching uh, for them, my own uh, workshop as I was mentioning and uh, yeah and it was I had heard of them before but after I joined I realized what a concrete like artistic community it is um, I perform for them a lot too um, and a lot of uh, yeah the things with Workman Arts also they, they pay quite well so it's just a nice all-around uh, yeah artist experience cool so it's kind of like an artist cooperative uh, based here in Toronto yeah it's 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 in affiliation with CAMH which is the mental health program mm-hmm um, and then it's funded by, yeah, all the different arts organizations, uh, the arts uh, funding board. So it's half art, uh, half mental health. Oh. Yeah. Cool. That's great. And uh, I understand uh, that you have um, a film festival that comes out every um, 
I believe it's every October, yes. uh, the Rendezvous with Madness Film Festival. Yes, and actually the new title is actually Rendezvous with Madness Festival oh. because actually, and I'm actually doing a performance, an immersive performance in it that does include some film. Um, but yeah, so it now includes uh, film, which is what it's really known for. Uh, they have five featured performances, and on closing night there's always a bunch more performances, and, uh, and there is uh, art and uh, panel talks as well. Oh, cool. Well, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Absolutely. And yeah, um, we'll probably be airing this episode fairly close to uh, when the Rendezvous with Madness uh, happens, so um, we'll definitely be some kind of promo for that so yeah Woo-hoo. yeah um okay great um so let's uh explore your background a little bit um can you uh tell me where we're coming from uh in terms of a uh, mental health mental illness uh, addiction that kind of thing sure yeah um i guess i really mental health issues like completely stopped my life in 2008 so I guess before that, because looking back now that I've had a ton of therapy, I had bouts of depression as early as childhood, um, but I always just figured, I felt like that was just a failure and I just had to like keep going. Right. Um, and I had always been an incredibly um, high functioning person. I ran a production company um, and I realized, one of my interns actually in that last year in 2008, he said, you're only operating on about 30%, aren't you? And he's like, I see that. And it was interesting. Like, so some, so one person in my team really saw kind of how, where I was operating at. Um, and I started to feel like I was channeling myself. I'd go into a meeting and make eye contact and nod. And I was like, I have no idea what's going on yeah. anymore. <laughs> so um, I actually kept pushing beyond and beyond and beyond. I had a short film at the... Um, uh, short film corner at the Cannes Film Festival. I had gotten money to get to Cannes. I had an assistant. We got all the way there and then I literally collapsed at the airport and I don't remember much of anything. My best friend who lived in Europe had come to meet me briefly and then somebody got me home. So I kind of feel like I literally collapsed there and it was almost like this, you know, uh, movie-like scene because again, I was... Um, um, a Canadian art artist, but for the first time I'd been lent, you know, people like designers lend you gowns when you go to Cannes. <laughs> I had a rental, fancy rental car. I couldn't drive. I was in this like rented uh, place in Cannes and I have literally no, I have a memory of trying to get orange juice. And then some like guys wanted to know if I wanted to do Coke and go to a party. And I was like, no, <laughs> so just these like little shards of stuff. Um, and then, yeah. And then a colleague got me back home. Um, and then I remember thinking, you know, I just need like to like rest for three months. And that was in 2008. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, and I, and, and then, and basically I, I had to, I had interns and my parents shut my production office. Um, I, everything sort of shut down at that point. And it took a while. I remember going into CAMH and I think also because I was so high functioning and interpersonally very good, it was really hard for me to get help. Yes. Really, really, really hard. And I was like, nothing makes sense. I don't know who I am. I don't know how to shower. I don't know why I'm here. And they'd be like, oh, you, you seem fine. Go home. <laughs> so um, it was a bit of a challenge, but it got to the point that I couldn't get out of bed like at all. Yeah. And so that was in 2008. Uh, in 2011, I got into the trauma therapy program at Women's College Hospital, and it was at that time that I did get a complex post-traumatic stress disorder um, diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So up until then, it was just like, Lisa can't function. I thought I was exhausted, which I was, because I had pushed far beyond. When I was sick, instead of sort of getting help, I just kept thinking I would push through it. Um, 
And then I have a new perspective because just this year I got a diagnosis of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. What's that? It is a, um, an, a syndrome where I don't have enough functional collagen in my body. Oh. So uh, it was described to me as, a, so I'm, I'm a house built with say half the wood and 10 nails. So everything kind of looks fine and I can do most things for a short amount of time, but I can just show you here. My body is... I'm really, really, really bendy. Okay. Um, and you see I'm wearing this kind of sitting harness. It's yeah. even hard for me to sit up. Like I can do everything, but just for short amounts of time. I have to rest. Often I'll sleep for 20 hours. So I just always have been this, like, I thought it was just all my odd quirks. I needed all this rest, that I'm really, really bendy, really exhausted. I get out of breath a lot. So as a kid, when I was growing up, my gym teachers just said lazy, weak, didn't want to participate. So it's really crazy, like later on now, you know, fully into my adulthood to find out this information. And even, you know, from 10 years ago, everybody was like, okay, PTSD, but the Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, um, uh, um, uh, symptoms completely mirror trauma symptoms. Mm. So the exhaustion, and then I had an incredible amount of brain fog, which is what I've already described a few times when I would have this literally look out and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here or who I am, like really deep sort of drop out of cognition. That was really scary. And that was definitely a PTSD thing. That's like when you get triggered, you're, you can't access your rational thought, but it was definitely exacerbated like a ton by the Ehlers-Danlos brain fog, which is when it's almost like someone said, actually, it's like a phone. When your phone has, doesn't have enough batteries, it just starts to shut stuff off. Wow. So that's the kind of that's where my cognitive shutdown and now I understand really where it came from wow. because in 2008 after can I literally I was pretending I was like I think I'm a I, I'm a human being I think I'm a woman and I at the time I smoked cigarettes it's not I don't smoke at all anymore but when I was in such a black space it was the only thing I kind of knew what to do with myself and yeah and I felt like I wasn't sure of anything else so my art practice as it stands now and what sort of turned into the second chapter of my career was born in that time when my brain was shut and i was actually i remember at one point i felt like i was 100 years old i was just this really skinny really bendy person sweating in bed and i only would get up like i had a a friend had to come move in with me because i literally needed care i couldn't function the only thing I could do was get to like maybe one doctor's appointment every two weeks with someone helping me. So it just got to this like really low point. Um, but during that time, I started to make video art and I started to do my performances um, to to have something to hold on to. So at that point, it was really like a life. It was like holding on for my dear life to make this stuff. And um and because I always was a creative person, I always was a finisher, I just kept making these and it helped me get better. Like I feel very much now my almost daily art making is still my therapy. And it's still like one of the questions you would send is like, how do I self-medicate? And I was like, absolutely, it's my work. 100% yeah. it's my work. If someone wanted to torture me, they would start, well, it's funny. I realized I was like, I would just do something else. I was like, then I would draw. Cause actually when I was uh, um, at CAMH briefly and all my stuff got taken away, um, I, I, they let me have a point and shoot camera and I made claymation with my food and then I made claymation with other stuff. So I would, I really would just I'd make it with literally whatever was left around me. Um, but yeah, but I found that in that place when I lost myself and before in my production company, I was a very hands-on producer. But I felt like I had writers. I needed somebody to do all aspects of it. And then when I got sick and it was just me and my laptop in my bed, um, 
I realized I had the privilege of sitting with amazing editors, sitting with like a great filmmaking team, but then all of a sudden it was just me. And during the time I was sick, a lot of stuff became like prosumer. So all of a sudden I had a camera that I could just use because <laughs> I remember back before that, I'd have to hire a cinematographer because I didn't even know how to use my own equipment because everything used to be so complex. So, um, so yeah, so this, so it's my illness literally turned a chapter in my career. I would have never, ever thought I was a content generator. And now that's all, all I do. Um, I am hired to edit sometimes, I direct, and I now have folks that produce for me. So I was just kind of in the wrong job, and my illness literally pushed me with my life because I was I was done my life. I was absolutely finished. I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I went full head-on through into art, and I came up. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of crazy. I remember actually in 2011, the year I got into the trauma therapy department, I was posting these videos that I was making, and I am a very theatrical person. Um, I used to run a theater company. I have a ton of costumes right in my house, and even during my breakdown, I could go and like you know go get some top hat or like I was I just have a very sort of theatrical environment like that. Um, but yeah, I was making these films, and also they weren't even for something. It was literally I was like trying to hold on and then they also were for my friends because on social media I was I, I wasn't posting anything and I couldn't really communicate and if I'd actually see a friend they just looked so terrified because I knew I wasn't presenting normally mm. so at one point I was like oh my god I have I only can communicate through like weird art films but that was literally how I'd say to my friends like I'm still here and I'm okay so it like debullshitified the process I was I was just making these things to like save my life every day and then in 2011, Steve Weiss, who is a programmer that used to uh, show my films a lot, um, asked if he could show one of these, what I consider now my therapy videos, but they weren't meant for any, they were meant for my friends. They were meant to be like, hey, still alive. And it got picked up to screen at the Phoenix Art Museum as part of their selections 2011 um, by no festival required. So that was the moment. There is, it is a funny moment because before that I was just like, I just, I felt like a loser. I'm like a sweaty loser lady that's in bed that used to make films. And all of a sudden an art institution deemed me art. Wow. <laughs> and then my therapy videos sort of got this new um, value to them. So I feel very like blessed. And then after that, the sort of second half of my career took off, but now I have to, I just work. I just work all the time. And then um, different sort of organizations and I'll pitch to different um, galleries and stuff but the work itself still comes out of me and saves my life like every day oh fantastic wow that's such a journey um saves your life every day that's uh that's really something that speaks to me especially when you talk about like once you had your illness figured out figuring out what you should do and that's kind of how I feel about this podcast it's like once I was diagnosed with my mental illness and you know everything kind of fell into place I was like well I gotta start talking and other people I'd like to hear other people's stories too uh, especially from a pop culture perspective um Ehlers Danlos um are you familiar with the RuPaul's Drag Race queen, yes. Evie Oddly? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, Evie Oddly. Um, and then Lena Dunham also has it. So oh, does she? So there's a few folks yeah. that, yeah, it's, it's, so people, it's, it's now getting to be known. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, that's so cool. And she won this year, so that's some good visibility at least. Like now some, n not mainstream, but like somewhat mainstream people have more awareness of what it is. And it is really tricky with an invisible, dis like it, it truly is invisible. Like mm -hmm. I, can some, I, I will perform sometimes for 10 minutes and I look like the most powerful, energetic, healthy person. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, some days I'm like, my back is spasming and I do spend most of the day on the floor and I don't have much time upright. So it's interesting. And I under, I mean, I even have, 
conflict I'm conflicted within myself about that how I how it looks sometimes and then how my days are so yeah I think it's I'm, I'm really keen to get information about the invisible disabilities out there absolutely as, well. as, as a mental health issue is as well like I kind of feel like I have two invisible disabilities yeah that's true that's true um any other um mental illness or mental health issues that you wanted to touch on or really that was my one diagnosis I had had really bad bouts of depression again looking back on my life as early as child like childhood and again it, I think it's related to the Ehlers-Danlos there's uh, sometimes like you as a kid I'd want to play and I just couldn't even get up like I sometimes would be lying on the floor and I just couldn't stand up so and and because I got no positive feedback about that it just internalized as like, I guess I'm a loser. Like, I know that sounds really harsh on myself, but that's how I internalized it. So I never, I did tell my doctor at the time, my pediatrician and then my doctor, all the things that I feel. And everyone's like, and at one point he actually even made like this, I'm making like, I don't even know what you call this, like spinning on my head. Like my doctor said, as if I'm so crazy with my illnesses yeah. that I'm uh, making it up. So yeah. Oh, that sucks. Like, Doctors don't believe women and they don't believe children. Yeah. And that's a huge thing, too. Um, let's see here. Okay. Um, so I like hearing your story about um, how you kind of, I guess it's, you kind of became an artist as a way, like as long as you were creating something, you were able to kind of cope with things. Be, yeah. yeah. And I realize now, I think, again, with understanding Ehlers-Danlos, it also, because your body's not quite strong enough... It, um, automatic nervous system things can go haywire mm -hmm. and I can just feel like t almost like overstimulated a lot so I think what it was for any art making and even back in the day when I was producing a film it just gave me this tunnel vision and it allowed me um yeah to kind of function and and I was a kid that started producing plays like I did a first my first full-scale play in grade two mm -hmm. um and I realized even as a little kid I was always using like I was I was, I was actually called like a loser. I was like called the German loser. My great grandmother walked me to school. She, she smelled like she was homeless and I was in a really rich part of town. So I was really not cool, but I'd get these ideas to put on like a little orphan Annie play. I walked into the principal's office. They gave me permission. I got two grades to be in my play. And that was like my way. I wasn't cool, but people were all wanted to be in my plays and everybody talked about them. So it literally was like the way in for me socially. And otherwise I was really anxious and I couldn't even speak English when I was little. I was, I spoke German and French. So yeah, doing a play was just this weird way in for me. And then, yeah. And then someone as early in my life said, keep, just keep doing what you're doing and eventually someone will pay you for it. And I felt very lucky and I did. I just kept and kept and kept oh, wow. going. That's awesome. Well, that must have been uh, like as a kid putting on plays and writing and creating and stuff like that. There must have been uh, quite the pop culture influence on it. Um, any early pop cult culture influences you can pinpoint? Actually, yeah. Well, the first play that I wanted to put on was I just thought Little Orphan Annie was the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, when I saw the I did see the live play and then I saw the movie that was huge for me and also Mary Poppins. So I see how I definitely had this like fanciful, like sort of like this fanciful notion. Um, and then Wonder Woman also was an early um, inspiration for me. Um, and then I realized again in getting your questions that the first time I feel like I ever saw myself was actually Wes Anderson's film Rushmore. Oh, yeah? Because that was a kid that, I don't know if you've, if you've seen yeah, that. Yeah, it's like been a that, long time since I've seen it. He was just a kid that put on these, like, really, really elaborate plays and had all these really big ideas. And I, up at that point, until that point, hadn't seen a version of me kind of anywhere. Oh, that's cool. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. What do you like about that character? Um... 
I guess it's interesting to see. I mean, he's a teenager in that movie. It's not yeah. so much a kid, but somebody that was, yeah, that's not the expected, like, sort of age or demographic to be doing something. And everyone took him really seriously. And everyone saw it as, like, this interesting gift. And I guess at that point, I hadn't seen it in that way, like, that it was this this amazing thing I could do. I Yeah, I guess I still always, I felt like a loser that was doing this thing. So it was just interesting to see it kind of presented as, like, he was the hero. Oh, cool. Yeah, now that I think about it, I remember it was like they were encouraging him and stuff like that. And I feel like a lot of kids are discouraged from uh, their creative pursuits, which is really, it really sucks. Yeah. Yeah, that's the losery thing, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. So with Rushmore, you saw yourself there. Um, any other um, places in pop culture, like uh, any movies, characters, or celebrities even? Well, I guess the first time I feel like I saw the sort of part of me that was like stuck in mental health issues was actually Gaga. Like Lady Gaga has really influenced me. And actually my first large scale art installation sort of after I was really ill um, was originally when I pitched it to Scotiabank Louis Blanche, it was called Mary the Night um, because I was so, yeah, I was really, really, really influenced by her. And I did actually even feel like a bunch of times that her music kind of saved my life. Like Mary the Night really felt like this anthem, um, and art pop. Yeah. I felt that was the first time I felt like, and I also, I'm not super duper into pop stars. So at first I was almost embarrassed that I loved a pop star with such like a big heart, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I really feel like, um, that was, I, I, I felt really sort of re represented in her work. Um, and her, like, awesome, odd performances yeah. that would, like, sit well with me. Yeah, she's really one of a kind. And she's really, what's the word I'm looking for? Ambitious and, yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it just has so many different aspects to her, you know? And, yeah, and she does, like, she just really gives her with everything she does. So I'm really, I'm really taken with her. Um, and then, actually, uh, another character... That's a Spike Lee character I originally saw from an 80s film. Um, it, uh, so the uh, is She's Gotta Have It. Um, mm -hmm. Wanda, oh, my God. No, Wanda DeWise is the character. Uh, Nor Nola Darling. Okay. And so I had originally seen the 80s film and just thought she was really, really cool. And then as I grew up, because I was Polly a lot of my adult life, and just to see someone, like, really kind of living their own way, um was really inspiring. And now the new show that's on the Netflix show, um, also, uh, that character really kind of speaks to me and our podcast that, uh, I've just started with, uh, my friend and colleague, Lisa McEwen is called, she's got to have it exclamation mark. Um, she's got to have it. She's got to have it. Yeah. And we are doing, uh, we're at conversations about, uh, film and television based around female desire and the female gaze. Oh, I like that. Yes. Um, when is that available? We right now have seven made at 10. We're going to launch it. So probably in, a, in September will we be launching? Oh, that's so cool. I love it. That's great. I definitely want to hear that podcast. Hey, Excellent. and if you ever need a guest, yes, like, I actually thought of that right away. Sweet. That's awesome. I'd love to, um, I haven't seen two She's got to have it yet, but I've had another uh, guest talk about it before and how much they related to it and resonated with it as well. So um, I, it sounds like something I've got to check out. I, I don't have much experience with uh, polyamory, but, uh, you know, it's a topic that fascinates me. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I would check out the, they're both on Netflix. I don't know if you have Netflix, but yeah. the, 
think it's a 1981 film. The original Spike Lee is so fully two feet in art film in a mm. really charming 80s way. And then the, the new Netflix is just a kind of gorgeous, beautiful people, almost like a soap opera version, but both are very, like, yeah, delicious and valid. That's cool, yeah. And that's Wanda DeWise in the TV show. Yes. Yeah, I remember she was in a, a movie I liked on Netflix. So, yeah, awesome, cool. Well, that's so cool that you've uh, seen yourself in a few of those. Um, oh, I just wanted to mention with Lady Gaga, too, to circle back to that, um, with her chronic pain. That's yes. Just, yeah. So actually, it was in that in the film Five Foot Two, also on Netflix, um, when they were showing Gaga with her four massage people and someone was, like, helping her with everything, I literally actually started crying because I was like, I, it's usually me on the floor with my dogs, like, sniffing me. And I thought, oh, my goodness, it, it would be. Because she says that. She said, oh, my God, can you imagine the people that are doing this by themselves without four masseuses around them? So that really resounds with me because, yeah, Ehlers-Danlos is similar to um, what she has in that way where you get these incredible, like, I'll have the whole side of my body cramped to the point when I really can't move off the floor for a bunch of hours. So it's, um, yeah, that really resounded with me. Yeah, for sure. And she's someone who is looks absolutely and is unstoppable. And then, yeah, she just go, keeps going through the pain. Wow. I can't imagine, like, performing every night like that, too. And, like, she's got a Vegas residency right now, too. Yeah. And she's, yeah, she's got a whole team helping her out. And, yeah, she's really... You know, I'm, it's really important that she made that documentary to show that side of her as well, too, because, like, you wouldn't know that just listening to her music or anything mm. like that. Because who's going to write songs about that, you know? it's You could write a song about it, but maybe she has, and we we just don't know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, have you ever seen any, like, bad representations of your issues in pop culture or anything that's bothered you in terms of, like, a mental health standpoint? Yeah, I guess I've seen a lot of that. I feel like um, I, I feel like in storytelling, I'm such an authenticity junkie, and mm -hmm. all the since since I started really noticing stuff like this, like as a teenager, I always felt that mental health issues in all kinds of different films and plays and everything were really sort of seen like this stuck on thing that people were doing, as opposed to sort of finding it from the inside of the character. Um, so yeah, and actually I do found specifically when people, so complex post-traumatic stress disorder is very different from just straight up PTSD. It's like this whole huge way of it presenting, but I do find that often in media it is presented in say just like the army way, do you know what I mean? Where you have a very yes. specific, incredibly traumatic and awful thing and then it sort of keeps coming back. Um, so yeah, I guess I just see that one particular representation a lot and it's often done still very inauthentically in my books um so yeah I, I guess I do feel like it's moving forward um better with I feel like people uh, celebrities and actors and artistic folks being more honest that it's happening to them I feel like even in the performances I could feel a bit of a like us and them like there's us the normals and in the it was like oh and that's like it was really it seemed like an other thing and I feel like now hopefully in culture and storytelling it's more like we're a part of the same pie yeah and yeah as important as it is to show uh, PTSD from you know um, a veteran's perspective yeah. or something like that there are so many like more ways that PTSD or complex PTSD presents itself in so many different situations like it's endless really what you can acquire it from or Absolutely. develop it from yeah 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 I definitely like to see them uh, move beyond just the soldier 
Yeah. Yeah, and actually one, there was a film, just a, a really low-budget film, but they asked me to come on, it was a soldier story, and be like the PTSD, like sort of... Um, liaison? Yeah, like liaison, and I read the script, and it was honestly so bad and cliched, I turned the, like, the whole thing down because I was like, I don't want my name associated with this, and I don't know how to help something that is so far from anything real. Yeah. Wow, good for you for just turning that down and... Knowing, <laughs> knowing that your name will not be there. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so, um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask about, like, I guess, because uh, somebody from Workman Arts was telling me about how pop culture has kind of influenced uh, your filmmaking and the arts that you make and stuff like that, uh, and the performance art that you do as well. Could you elaborate on that? Sure. Um, yeah, I guess actually... How I described how I literally went offline in 2008, and I didn't know who I was. And actually, the very first idea of what I, the persona that I wanted to try on was Ziggy Stardust. Mm. So uh, I remember just there was a, a local gallery, and I'd been volunteering there. Um, and I had my friend Wanda McRae, who was an amazing hair and makeup artist, yank my eyebrows out, dye my hair orange, and give me a mullet in this gallery. Uh, and then I had. Um, um, uh, Maharishi, this um, designer guy, make me a, uh, like a sort of onesie suit. And essentially, I just was. And then I sort of was in the gallery that evening. And then for a week, I performed, had different artists come in and made films in the gallery as Ziggy Stardust. Oh, wow. So I guess in a way, like I literally, when I didn't, when I'm, when I didn't know who I was, I literally picked who I just thought was the most like sort of interesting, yeah, persona to try on. Could you um, tell me about like, pop culture as self-care because I know that uh, for self self-care for you is creating right yes. uh is there anything where it's like you just put it on and it kind of soothes you or anything like that yes I have that very much and it's um I feel like one of the first shows and I did see myself a little bit again I don't have uh the the illness in that show but United States of Terra mm. I don't know if you're familiar with I that, love show. that show so I, I just loved it and it was one show I, I'm also a watcher. If I like something, I will watch it over and over and over same. and over. And I, yeah, and so you probably are of the same way. I realize for me, it's like a feeling that I want to revisit. Like I want to get back to that world, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then it's turned out now that I'm sort of, uh, yeah, following the storyteller. It's actually Jill Soloway was a writer on that show. Um, uh, and Jill now goes by they. Mm -hmm. um, Jill also was... Um, a writer on Six Feet Under, another show that also, I think for me, it's the author, like real authenticity of stories. Um, and then I liked also how in the last episode of Six Feet Under, it really did seem like my perspective was it was the story of the making of Claire as an artist. So yeah. Um, and then the, I think the mo there's two shows of Jill Soloway's that they've now, um, they actually are the the creators and the, the whole sort of story runners of, and it's Transparent, mm -hmm. and I Love Dick. Yeah. And... I, I was actually, uh, my podcasting partner, Lisa, and I were talking, and I, I feel like I've probably watched the whole Transparent, there's four seasons right now. Yeah. And it's not super long, but I think it's like 12 episodes, four seasons. Probably watched the whole thing 50 times. Wow. So if I am sad, I will like watch the whole season of Transparent, and it, it, and it feels like family, and a lot of the characters are similar, like, they really ring true to my family, too, so it mm. feels very real. Um yeah, and then Jill just made I Love Dick, which is um, on Amazon, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's these uh, it's it is it is 
letters to someone named Dick, but it's like letters to the patriarchy. Ah. But it is this so funny, so rich, so amazing piece. And yeah, actually, I Love Dick, episode five is called A Short History of Weird Girls. And I've watched that episode, I'm going to even say maybe like a hundred times. Like, because it's, it's actually short. It's 21 minutes. And if I just feel anxious or don't know what to do or waiting for an email, I might just pop that on. So that is like medicine. Wow. You know what? Um, I Love Dick has been on my Amazon list, like on my watch list for like a while. And I'm going to pop on episode five tonight. Yes. <laughs> I just want to see it so bad now. Yeah. Because it's like, because I heard it was good. I like Kevin Bacon. I like. um She's great. Who's the other, the woman in it? Catherine. Han. Catherine Han. I love her. Yes. Yes. Griffin Dunn is great. Yeah. No, <gasps> Griffin Dunn. Oh, I love him. Yeah. He's so, oh my God. Him and Kevin Bacon are so amazing. And yeah, actually, and that's the first series that we cover in uh, our podcast. Oh, wow. So then you can check out what we think about it. Perfect. Oh, my goodness. Well, I want to watch something funny tonight. So there you go. That's awesome. Awesome. I love that you rewatch these things, too. And just, uh, yeah, like, uh, uh, sorry, United States of Terra. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I love Tony Collette. I love Brie Larson. And, like, that, that whole cast is just, yeah. And that was, I think, the first time I really saw a mental health issue covered that seemed like totally real. Like that yeah. seemed like a family supporting someone. You saw the real issues. You saw all the stuff. But she was a real full whole person. Yeah, she really was. Yeah. And those uh, different personalities and different aspects were, uh, yeah, that... Yeah, it was good stuff. And Diablo Cody produced that one, too. Yeah. I love Diablo Cody. She's like my favorite film writer. Nice. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Uh, what what else uh, do you do for self-care? Um, I have a dog. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I realize even just, like, he, he he's a handful. He's, like, super anxious and was had an aggressive start and stuff. But, yeah, I really feel like just even being with my dog always makes me feel better. Aw. Um, and I really do like going to the dog park. And it's interesting, with the Ehlers-Danlos, biking is actually easier than walking. So I have a really comfortable upright bike. Oh. And I, like, bike out to Sororan Park every day. And oh. it's it just works out to be... Um, yeah, really good also because physical exercise. I'm still actually on a waiting list to get to the Ehlers-Danlos Clinic in Toronto. That's how recent my diagnosis has been. And then there I will get better help. But it's tricky trying to figure out exercise when you're so exhausted that you like faint. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and to be so weak and to be so everything dislocates. So I'm really keen to get in there and then get some like really expert help. But I have found that the, the slow bike ride and I go in the alleys because I don't want him to be around like the smog and stuff. Yeah. So my slow bike ride in the alleys is a perfect um, sort of little exercise thing for me. Um, and I do do a lot of also um, so yoga um active so what, uh, restorative yoga poses okay. so it's like active releasing um, instead of stretching mm. um, but yeah I have a lot of muscle spasms and because my body's a bit weak to sort of do all the jobs it's supposed to do it just has a lot of um, yeah I feel like restorative work just really helps me uh, yeah stay balanced cool that's awesome great okay so uh, I guess we'll wrap things up um, before we wrap it up um, just uh, where can we find you online and um, yeah, well, I am on Facebook with uh, Lisa Anita Wagner, and I have a website that's MightyBraveProductions.com. And the podcast that I mentioned earlier is She's Gotta Have It! Exclamation mark. Um, and it's the only podcast by that name. There's, if you look that up on um, Apple Podcasts, there's a lot with the She's Gotta Have It, but they're all talking about the show. We're the only one that's She's Gotta Have It! Exclamation mark. Ah, 
Yes. Important distinction. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, Instagram? Uh, yeah, I have. It's Lisa Anita Wagner. Yeah. Uh, also one section. Cool. Awesome. Great. All right. Well, um, make sure to check out Intangible Adorations at the Rendezvous Festival in October. Um, I'll definitely be there. Um, yeah, and thank you so much, Lisa, for being my guest today on Poppin' Down. It is my pleasure. And I feel like I'm precious because I'm sitting in a bank vault. <laughs> I thought of that at one point and I was like, oh my God, I have to say that. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks so much, Lisa. Really enjoyed talking with you. The Rendezvous with Madness Festival happens here in Toronto from October 10th through October 20th. The Rendezvous with Madness Festival features films, performance art, performances, short films, and all sorts of other kinds of art dealing with mental health and mental illness. You can catch Lisa Anita Wagner's piece, Intangible Adorations, at six different times. You can catch it at 8 o'clock p.m. on Saturday, October 12th, Tuesday, October 15th at 6.30, Wednesday, October 16th at 8 o'clock, Friday, October 18th at 7 o'clock, and Saturday, October 19th at 2 o'clock as well as 3 o'clock. Can't wait to see that. And I'd also like to extend a thank you to Sarah Kelly from Workman Arts for setting up my interview with Lisa Anita Wagner. For the Rendezvous with Madness Festival, they're asking the community members to participate in an awareness campaign as part of the opening festival on World Mental Health Day, which is October 10th. So what they're asking is that people post on their social media account using the hashtag, hashtag GetMad. Hashtag GetMad is the theme that they're using for the festival this year, and it's a call to action reminding us that sharing stories is a powerful tool against isolation, stigma, and discrimination. So yeah, if you'd like to add your voice to the campaign, definitely make sure to uh, tweet or post on Instagram or Facebook or anywhere you can. Uh, hashtag get mad and what that means to you uh, on World Mental Health Day, October 10th. And definitely check out the uh, Rendezvous with Madness Festival. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Poppin' Down. You can find us online at Poppin' Down on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can email us with your thoughts and feelings and just uh, your advice searching or anything you want. Just, just send me an email at popanddown at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon for as little as $1 per month. Patreon.com slash pop and down. Pop and down is written, produced, hosted, and basically everything's done by myself, Shauna Quinn. And our music is provided by Neil Quinn. Pop and down is recorded at the Parkdale Center for Innovation. And we come out with new episodes every two weeks or so. It's been like three weeks, I think, the past couple episodes. But, you know... We come out with new episodes whenever the schedule allows it, I should say. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. And remember that your favorite movies, music, and TV shows, they are always there for you. And so are we. Bye. Bye.